0: Well, good morning, everyone, and Happy New Year. It's good to see everybody and their smiling faces. And uh, we're getting a series, as Pastor Dan just mentioned, A New You, A New Year, A New You, in 22. Um, and Trevor, I was thinking, um, you know, as we were singing that song, that lyric, take me to the end of myself, take me to the edge of something greater. Um, and uh, that's what we're gonna look at this morning from the incredible teaching and the wisdom of Jesus Um, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, so if you have your Bibles or want to grab a chair Bible, that would be page 580. And uh, let me just introduce here where we're headed over the next three weeks. Um, In this series, uh, we're going to be focusing in on three movements of grace. Uh, We're going to call it contemplation, uh, community, and contribution. Contemplation has to do with who we'll become, community, how we'll relate and contribution, what we'll add. Okay, now, uh, there's something that I want you just to kind of reflect on as we're looking at this idea of contemplation. To contemplate is actually to gaze at something deeply, to observe, um, or to notice. Um, And it's actually a key to becoming who God made us to be, to be fully alive, to be fully ourselves. Um, It's a key part, an important part of prayer, which we're going to see here from the teachings of Jesus, Uh, Who taught us to pray in the text that we're going to look at um, in this way? And so let's read, uh, beginning in Matthew 6, verse 5, uh, the wisdom of Jesus here. When you pray, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need. Okay? This is the word of the Lord, Jesus the Master of life. Now, how does this teaching about prayer lead us to the end of ourselves and to the edge of something greater? I want to make three observations from the wisdom of Jesus. First is this. Prayer is actually about learning to see. Prayer is about learning to see. Now, a lot of times we think about prayer as getting answers. But Jesus, uh, in this text, talks about two ways, actually, of seeing our lives. The first is what most people do most of the time It's where most of their energy for most of their lives becomes fixed and preoccupied. And the first part of that way of seeing is a way of seeing that is very self-focused or selfish. You notice that the people in this text, they were praying. They They were making an attempt to go for something greater in their lives. But primarily, what they saw through the lens that they looked at was focused on people. So you saw in that text at the beginning, verse 5, Jesus says when most people pray, um, they tend to to tap into this desire to please people, for people to see them, to appreciate them, to respect them, um, to know that they are a good person. And so most of their energy is going into Efforts in various ways in their lives to gain the approval of people. Secondly, they strive in all kinds of ways, including their religious practice, to get what they want or what they feel that they need out of life in order to satisfy their desires or their needs. So, almost kind of silly in ways, but... They use words to babble on and on to manipulate. Um, the idea is that maybe through some means of our own, we can game the system of life or God to do it in the right way or in a more pleasing way that will actually get more of what we want. Okay, so that's, that's Jesus' is observing that this is what often happens in life and prayer. And would you agree with the wisdom of his observation that, that much energy, maybe most energy, um, in life and culture, for most people, goes into you know this dynamic. Um, in fact, we even have words for it. You've heard of the rat race. Yeah, that's the rat race is the never-ending wheel of life that we that we run to exhaustion on to gain the approval of people and to get enough out of life of what we want to make life desirable, or worth it, and Jesus says this is certainly one way to live, a a, a default lens, a way of seeing that is essentially self-focused. Secondly, he points to what keeps this entire system running, which is this giant system. I mean, you could think of life in this way, that it's one big giant system of rewards, incentives. Social rewards are very powerful reality to keep us scurrying and running uh, for our lives, literally, in life. But Jesus just notes that if you live your life essentially from the outside in, believing that the praise of people or getting what you want is actually the key to life satisfaction, it will keep you seeing through a lens and living your life in a way that in many ways keeps you at the surface of your life missing actually the beauty and the substance of it. And this is certainly one way of life um, that even religion itself and prayers themselves simply conserve. It, it's a, it becomes an extension just of this one giant focus of our lives in this way. And Jesus says of these folks that, that really that's, if you're, if you're going to go that route, that is the reward that you will get. Now, many times when we read this text, we think, well, Jesus is actually telling us a way to pray where we can get what we want in the right way. Like if we ask this way, bing, bing, bing. If we ask this way, er, right? Um, and, and so God has this reward system that he's, he's meeting out. I don't, I don't actually think that's what he means here. What I think what he's saying is that if your energy and your time and your focus and the lens through which you see all of life is going to be consumed externally and self-focused, the capacity that you have within yourself to receive anything else will be crowded out. You follow what I'm saying? And you miss the deeper rewards of what could be yours in life as God designed it for you. Okay? And so Jesus points out here that if we're going to step out of this self-focused external way of life, we need to choose to step back from this compulsive, selfish way, Where we believe at the core of our being that satisfaction actually comes from what people think or if we manage to get what we want. Now, second wisdom of Jesus here from this text prayer is about a context for change, it's about a context for change. In other words, when we're coming to the end of ourselves, and we're wanting to lay into something greater, how would you do that? Well, Jesus says there's a context for change, and he calls it prayer. So when our default is self-focused, it leads a certain way. When it's external, when we're caught in the race, the rat race, the noise, the external focus of our lives, it's nearly impossible to pay attention to anything else, including God, his existence, who he really is, and also our inner lives, What is underneath? So in other words, think of your life in this way. You're doing all kinds of things at breakneck speed all the time in order to be satisfied. And yet, what is actually underneath all of those compulsions and all of the running around? Well, it's your inner life. You have a soul. You are more than a self. And so part of the tragedy of a self-focused, externalized life is that you miss the soul-centric depth of your life. And Jesus is saying all the time, while this this rat race is going on, there is actually the the possibility for you to step out of it and to pay attention to your soul, to your inner life. So he teaches us How to do this. And he says basically, you need silence and solitude in order to step back from the noise. And so he teaches us to go away by ourselves. You could read Don't Babble On and On as actually be quiet for a second, to shut your door to pray in private because you know what happens in the silence when we actually cease for a minute with all of our strivings and all our compulsions all of our ways is that we have space for a moment to perceive something else which is going on all the time. We're going to see what that is in a second but it has to do with our inner selves our own depths and the presence of God who is actually with us. which we don't have time to notice, unless we choose to regularly cultivate at least some quiet. Now, we're not taught this in our culture at all, are we? Um, which is why we're going faster and faster and faster for less and less and less in the realm of our souls. So we can be a mile, two miles wide, one inch deep. Uh, superficiality, is the curse of our age. It's possible to have more and more and more and yet less and less of the things that truly matter like peace or the possibility of a life that is saturated with love and joy and the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, again, the incredible teacher, the master of life, is inviting us to step back and to choose to cultivate at least some quiet. Now, there are different seasons of our lives. So let me say a word to some of you in here who are surrounded 24-7 by little ones. And it's also instructive when we think of this for everyone else because one of the things that you discover when you try to step back from a compulsive self-focused, selfish, external way of life is that it's actually possible to bring the noise with us into the quiet. Fact, the noise doesn't just live out there. It actually lives in here and in here, right? And so part of what we learn as we step back is to begin to observe and to notice that, wow, there is a lot more. There is a lot more to my life. There's a lot more going on here and here than I ever noticed. And this is why Jesus says, well, then talk to your father about that. Um, But I know of one, or read of one lady who, in a season of her life where she was surrounded by little ones all the time, who would actually take a blanket from the couch and pull it over her head (laughs) for a minute or two, and that was her way of just signifying to herself that it's possible to be in the middle of what God's called you to do and also to cultivate this posture, right, that I am not just simply an extension of this flow of thoughts and feelings. Um, I actually have a soul, and there is a God who is with me. Okay, now, third thing here from the teachings of Jesus. Prayer is about growing our awareness. Now notice what Jesus says here. There is much more to your life That can only be known if you stop to notice. Your heart, Jesus says, is the inner room. Now, our translation, the NLT, says go away by yourself. Some of the other translations talk about going to an inner room. What was interesting is that during this time in history, the homes did not have rooms, or many rooms. They they tended to be just open spaces. Um, This is metaphorical. Jesus is talking about the inner room, which is your inner life. So when you, go, when you go to this inner room, sometimes you have to, to divorce yourself from the compulsive activity like the public social reward system and all the external focus in order to stop and be alone. But also what you're doing metaphorically when you're alone is you're actually going inside of yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Instead of living outside of yourself constantly. And all the validations that come there to go in and ask the question, who am I and what is actually happening inside of me? And who is God in this? And Jesus is interesting. What he says here is when you go to this inner room, remember that you are actually not alone. Who is with you? Who is everywhere? it's, it's, It's a paradox here, right? Do you see the paradox? Like in the aloneness of the inner room, you discover that you are not alone. You are with the one who created you. In whom we live and move and have our being, right? The very core of our existence. The very breath of our lungs. Like, like we are with this God who, now this is, this is incredible, Jesus says is a father. And Jesus was the one who taught us to pray our father. He, he revolutionized the conception of God by calling him Dad. So the God that Jesus introduces us to is a father. He is one who loves, and the text tells us here who actually sees. So here it is that you thought in your external, compulsive, self-centered extern, you know, way that all of life depended on you. And guess what you find out in, this, in the quiet? That underneath all of that, and whether you make the grade or get what you want or not, there is the loving arms of God who are and have been and always will be. He sees you. He knows you. He actually knows what you need. He's available to you. See, this experience of coming to know yourself and God in this way heals the inner parts of your life, satisfies the deepest places of your life in ways that when you go back out of your room, you go out with a different lens, right? You go out needing, you have a little less compulsion to to need someone to like you or to have to get what you want. And imagine for a moment what life would begin to look like if you were able to exist in public having had the needs of your heart healed in private. What would be possible for you? What would be possible in your relationships? In your responses, in your interactions? See, it fundamentally transforms you in, in a way that nothing else can do. And this is the power of prayer understood not just as an extension of getting what we want from God or getting what we want out of our lives and using God to get it, but actually stepping back from that to choose a spiritual revolution, revolution of your mind. And so the Bible talks about this everywhere. Like uh, If I just put down one in Ephesians, the way of life that you learned in Christ Jesus, and this passage talks about it's not like this, it's not this other way. It's like this, to be new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now here's, an, here's, the, here's the sermon in sentence in the revolutionary, revolutionary teaching of Jesus. How you pray determines how you live. How you pray determines how you live. There are two ways to live, and there are two ways to pray. One is self-focused and external. The other is soul-centric. And leads to love. The great Christian apologist C.S. Lewis said it this way I don't pray because it changes God. I pray because it changes me. So here's the question for you in 22. Will you determine to take at least some time for a prayer practice? that would experiment with this kind of prayer with Jesus in order to reap the rewards of love and joy and peace and beauty and the transformation of your inner life. which is all possible through a simple confidence in Jesus who knows the way to eternal life, which is not only life that comes next, but is life now, and truly. Amen? Can we take a minute to maybe pray together? Practice for a second what it is that Jesus said. Let's be quiet for a minute and make contact with the beauty of your soul in the presence of a loving Father who is available to you. Lord, I want to pray a blessing of flourishing, abundant life over my friends. Um, May they come to know the deeper rewards of the transformation of their inner life through the endless love of God and the wisdom of Jesus in 2022. Amen. You're blessed, or be blessed. Um, You're dismissed, and uh, next week we'll continue the conversation on A New You in 22.